0: You've got the best tickets, now you're in the airport rushing to your gate. When you're waiting at the security checkpoint, find the line where business-looking people are standing. They're obviously more frequent travelers, and they get through security way faster. Well, you're on the plane, and the flight attendants seem to be ignoring you. Did you book a seat in the back? Should've. You'll get the quickest service there, since these seats are closer to where the cabin crew hang out in the galley. If this airline doesn't offer in-flight movies, put your phone in a sandwich baggie and close it up in the tray table. There you go! Quick, homemade, hands-free screen. You ever get dizzy during long flights? It's because the pressure makes the blood travel away from your brain and gather in your legs. Wear compression socks to prevent this. And don't forget to pack a tennis ball in your carry-on. You can roll it under your foot or on your back, for a much-needed mid-flight massage. Cramming hundreds of people into a metal tube is a great way to spread germs. Even if no one in your row is coughing or sneezing, you might not be in the clear. Surfaces like tray tables, call buttons, and bathroom doors don't always get wiped down between flights. Case in point, bring some hand sanitizer and antibacterial wipes with you when you fly. You might also want to think twice before accepting pillows and blankets. While airlines usually try to keep them clean, there isn't always time to wash them between flights. Consider bringing your own pillow and blanket. Unless you like resting your head in someone else's dandruff. Ew. Lightning storms, bumpy landings, germs. We've covered pretty much everything I fear about flying. But what about you? Let me know down in the comments. If you're afraid of turbulence, (laughs) you're gonna like this next point. Any pilot will tell you that early morning flights are your best bet if you want to avoid heavy turbulence. The sun heats the air during the day, which contributes to stronger winds. Heat, reflecting off the ground, is also a major factor in clear weather turbulence. Taking off in the morning, before the sun has time to finish heating things up, is a great way to avoid both these problems. Clear weather also means fewer chances for flights to get backed up, so delays are less likely. The pilot doesn't eat the same things as their passengers, but this is more of a safety precaution than a perk of the job. Their meals are usually made by the same people and of the same quality as what everyone else gets, but are prepared separately. They also can't eat the same things as each other. The idea is that if one of them gets sick from what they ate, the other pilot will still be healthy enough to fly the plane. Many airlines also let pilots bring their own food from home. Given the usual quality of airplane food, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a popular choice. It's tempting to think of planes as being run like ships, with one person in charge and everyone else following their lead. There are even nautical-inspired terms like captain and first officer instead of pilot and co-pilot. The reality is that while the captain is usually the more experienced of the two, it's more of a partnership than a boss-subordinate relationship. The pilot and co-pilot are both equally responsible for the safety of the flight, and they're both equally equipped to handle any situation that might crop up. It's not unusual for the co-pilot to be in full control of the plane without the captain's direct supervision, like in the case of the ladders in the bathroom because of some undercooked chicken. Oh my. Perspective commercial pilots first need to earn a bachelor's degree, then choose a flight school you can end up spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on training and certification. Once that's done, you finally have your pilot's license. Now you need 1,500 hours of flight experience to qualify for an airline transport pilot certificate. And what's the fastest way to rack up that flight time? By renting a plane and flying it around. Which isn't cheap, let me tell you. Your pilot and flight attendants need some rest on long flights too. There are secret compartments above your head at both ends of the airplane, where the pilot and crew can squeeze a nap in. Small stairs lead to these sleeping quarters behind the cockpit and at the back of the plane, either behind a locked door or a hatch disguised as a storage bin. There's a bed, a phone, and curtains for privacy if needed. The crew member can control the brightness in the compartment, and in bigger planes, they're even equipped with a TV. Not every crew rest cabin, or CRC, has this feature, but they do on really big commercial planes and some private planes. This way, if they're on an especially long flight, the flight attendants and pilot can grab a shower or just have some privacy to freshen up. If you have an aisle seat, there's a button under your armrest by the hinge that not many people know about. If you press this button, the armrest will slide down completely parallel to your seat, giving you some extra leg and elbow room. It's really there so you can exit the plane more quickly if there's an emergency. But you can still press this handy little button to make yourself more comfortable. Have you ever noticed how flight attendants always seem to slide their hands over the overhead compartments as they walk the aisle of the plane? Most overhead compartments have edges on the bottom into which a handrail is molded. This helps them to get a better grip and keep their balance. This is how flight attendants look so graceful as they move quickly along the plane. Try it for yourself on your next flight. Plus, it's much better than stumbling into other passengers' laps. What if there's an unruly passenger disturbing your flight? I mean, you can't exactly kick them out of the plane. Although I'd pay extra to see that. (laughs) Just kidding. So for these situations, every plane is equipped with handcuffs. Hopefully, using the handcuffs will calm the situation down. But if not, you might have an unscheduled landing on your hands. There are fire extinguishers on every flight too, which is standard safety. But did you know that most flights also have an axe or crowbar on board? This is for rare emergency landings, so the windows of the plane can be broken open. Well, sort of. I'm talking about air marshals. They're generally used for international flights. Air Marshals are basically the police of the airplane. They can make arrests, but they won't intervene in a standard, rowdy passenger situation. They're mostly there to watch over the flight and keep everyone safe. You probably never figure out who the Air Marshal is, though. They'll be dressed like any other passenger and could be seated anywhere. They blend right in. Except for that big shiny badge and the cowboy hat. No, not really. When passenger flight service was first introduced, It was a privilege only for the wealthy. There weren't classes in the cabin with their differing levels of comfort. All passengers were first class because air travel was so expensive. If you wanted to fly from Chicago to Phoenix and back in the late 50s, you'd have to shell out what would be like $1,200 today. That price point could explain why all passengers were dressed like they were at the theater. That was just the atmosphere of an aircraft cabin some 80 years ago. Being on board was a big deal, and travelers tried to look their best. The plane wasn't just a vehicle. It was a way to show off your status. Hmm, fancy clothes of the past or comfy cabin wear of today? I'll let you decide who gets this point down in the comments. So fitting of the high-priced tickets and the fancy get-ups. Some planes had a real piano on board, so you can enjoy some live music while you fly. Hmm. I'll take my in-flight movie over a big bulky piano any day. Okay, fine, I'll give a point for the sophistication. The food offered on an airplane was like in a real restaurant. The dishes were served on fine china. You got silverware instead of flimsy disposable utensils. And beverages were poured into glassware, not those little plastic or cardboard cups. You could be served roast beef, prime rib, and lobster. Definitely beats chicken or fish. Old planes get one point. Just a net shelf that held your bag over your head? And remember, flights were rockier back then. Seemed like an accident waiting to happen. Good thing we have those sturdy, closable carry-on bins today. They came around in the 70s, in case you were wondering, and they've earned modern planes one more point. Seats that can fit your hips, leg, and elbow room that existed. For this fact alone, the old days of aviation should win this contest. But let's be fair. As air travel became more affordable and common, passenger numbers went up, and airlines had to adjust. Seats got smaller, and we had to get more personal with our neighbors. That's your elbow in my rib, and nice to meet you, by the way! When the pilot is sharing flight info with you, they nonchalantly mention extreme outside temperatures of minus 70 degrees. Yet similar figures can keep a plane from taking off in the first place. The temperatures at cruising altitude and on the ground are entirely different things. On the ground, bitter cold in the minus 60-degree range makes starting the engine much harder. Add to that de-icing the plane and runway, as well as keeping maintenance crews safe out there in sub-zero temperatures, and you can see the problem. If one engine fails, the aircraft can continue flying safely for over 5 hours. Granted, it'll be less fuel-efficient and gradually drift down from normal cruising altitude. But all modern planes on long-distance routes are tested to cope with that situation, and pilots are trained for it. In fact, planes can even glide for a while with no functioning engines at all. Okay, they might not drop from the sky immediately, but I still like having all those backups, just in case. Thanks to the wonder that is autopilot, a plane can perfectly fly itself across the globe. Meanwhile, the human pilots can doze off, but there are regulations on that. Only one pilot at a time can take a snooze. And there are still things an autopilot isn't capable of – taxiing, landing, setting the start and end locations, and making witty jokes while briefing passengers about the flight. Deboarding usually adds up to an extra half an hour to flight time. But computer simulations show that it can be done 35% faster. All you'd have to do is deboard by aisle, not by row. Let's imagine a cabin layout with one aisle in the middle and rows of three on each side. First, left-aisle passengers leave the plane, then the right aisle. Next are middle-seat passengers on the left side, followed by those on the right. Finally, the left window seats, and then the right. It might be a problem for passengers traveling together, but it's a great way to avoid aisle blocking. One reason airlines aren't using this method just yet. They're more interested in making some extra money selling first-class and priority seats. So there. The way it is now, by group. The plane gets loaded from the back to the front, after first, business, and priority classes, of course. Well, la-di-da. The whole process would be much faster if people were allowed to choose their own seats on the plane. They'd feel the rush to grab a spot instead of standing around putting their carry-on in the bin. An even better way to cut down boarding time would be to let passengers board by aisle. First all window seats, then middle, then aisle. Again, it would cut down the time we have to wait for others to get their stuff put away. But for some reason, airlines aren't doing it. Another widespread myth is that once the plane takes off, pilots can sit back and enjoy the ride. The autopilot will do its job. During the flight, there can be communications issues, route changes, navigational problems. Pilots always have some task at hand. For example, monitoring fuel burn, watching for other planes, and whatnot. Especially whatnot. Boy, I had a whole day of whatnot the other day. Even though pilots don't have their hands on the wheel as often as before, they're still in control of everything that's happening with the plane. Becoming a commercial airline pilot will cost you thousands of dollars. Whether it is $60,000 or $100,000 depends on the flight school where you train and the type of your training. Hours of flight experience also cost a fortune, and you need a lot of them. In general, to get a commercial pilot certificate, You need at least 250 flight hours under your belt. But some airlines don't hire pilots without 1,500 to 4,000 hours of flight experience. But it doesn't mean that they can fly anywhere they want at any convenient time. A pilot has the same benefits as anyone else working for the airline. Just like other employees, they have to wait for a standby, which means an available seat, on the needed flight. Most pilots don't want their vacation to rely on such an unpredictable situation and pay for their tickets. Every 12 months, pilots have to complete something like a driving test only in an airplane. Every year or half a year, depending on their age, pilots have to pass a medical examination. Every 6 months, pilots have their emergency procedure simulator assessment. Besides those, There is also technical testing, aviation security, and dangerous goods examination training, and so on. If a pilot fails any of these, they get removed from their flight duties. There's a misleading belief that co-pilots are either trainees or subordinates that do nothing but wait for the captain to give them orders. This opinion couldn't be further from the truth. Co-pilots are fully qualified professionals who can easily fly the plane. Their job title isn't about skills. It's about seniority. Pilots and co-pilots usually take turns. If one of them flies the plane, for example, to Singapore, the other will fly it back to Sydney. The reason for this precaution is very simple. Imagine both pilots eating the same dish and getting food poisoning. In this case, neither of them will be able to control the plane. If they still want to have the same dish and won't agree to have anything else, there's a safety net pilots have their meals at a different time. If one pilot ate the dish and still feels okay several hours later, the other pilot can brave their meal as well. It's also much safer to fly the plane when one of the pilots is ready for action. Ever experienced such a hard landing that you jump in your seat and go white? Unlike what most travelers believe, it's not necessarily a sign of an inexperienced pilot. There are some conditions when a gentle touchdown is outright dangerous. The most common situation when a plane must touch down firmly is when the runway is wet. Then the machine has to break the water surface to avoid hydroplaning. Flight attendants aren't there just to serve food, they're highly trained professionals. They know how to deliver a baby, are skilled in hand to hand combat, know how to survive in extreme conditions, and can extinguish a fire 30,000 feet in the air. Airlines are going to address the dreaded middle seat problem pretty soon. A new design has already been developed. These improved middle seats will be a bit lower to the ground than the aisle and window ones, and they'll have 3 more inches of additional space. Most passengers have a misconception that copilots are just sidekicks or understudy characters who know little about flying. This belief can't be further from the truth. Co-pilots are totally capable of flying a plane, and they do it regularly. It's a typical situation when the captain flies the plane to the destination and the co-pilot operates it on the way back. Flight attendants have the same problems with jet lag as you do. Imagine flying all the way across the globe on a regular basis and dealing with the dimming of cabin lights during daylight. Their bodies get confused, and it doesn't pass with time or work experience. Airplane manufacturers use a special trick to make the cabin look bigger and more spacious. For example. The walls have a particular structure that reflects light. That and they're painted white, which always visually expands a space. The illumination between the ceiling and overhead bins makes the ceiling look higher. It helps people with claustrophobia to deal with being in an enclosed space for hours. Passengers are also happier when their airplane has a wider entrance and its lighting is brighter. Research shows that, in this case, people are sure that their meals taste better and their seats are wider, while the only different thing is their surroundings. Pilots recommend nervous flyers to pick seats in the middle of the cabin. When turbulence occurs, it affects the front and rear parts of the cabin the most. The middle over the wing section doesn't get shaken that much. Imagine it like a seesaw. Deploying an emergency slide when there's no emergency is a very bad idea. It can cause hour-long delays and cost airlines thousands of dollars to pack the undamaged slide back into its container. Why would someone do it? Apparently, to get off the plane faster. Well, just keep in mind that it doesn't work this way. Now, if you want to be a pilot, be prepared for endless tests and examinations. Pilots have their skills checked every 6 to 8 months. They have to go into simulators and practice all kinds of emergency situations. After that, examiners assess them. Regular and technical testing and medical examination are also regular and crucial.